My name is Kalia. As you guys know, I'm thrilled to be sharing with you guys here today. I also want to say awesome job to our church yesterday at the fun fair. Fun fair is literally my favorite thing that we do as a church. It is at the top of the list because I think it's a chance for us to be the gospel instead of talk about the gospel. Um, so, you know, I'm up here preaching today, but you guys preached the gospel yesterday. So please applaud yourselves. It was an awesome time. So you guys took the pressure off of me. It doesn't really matter what I said today because um, say today because you guys did all the work yesterday. So will you please stand with me so we can read the word together? Um, it's found in Galatians, and we'll um, start at the beginning and read through verse 26. Starts, we'll start together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Jesus have crucified the flesh by its passions. All right. Um, what's the line, Pastor David? This is the word of God. All right. I get to do that because I'm the cool auntie today, not the mother or the father of the church. You guys know Pastor Michelle and Pastor David, they're like your parents because they're here preaching day in and day out. They serve the church so well. I'm the cool auntie that comes, gives the kids sugar, and, you know, we're all hanging out, don't have the responsibility of the parents, and then I send you guys home to your parents. So, sorry about that. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Um, Once again, so excited that I get the privilege to talk about gentleness today. So, have to be really honest. When Pastor David asked me to speak about gentleness, we are in a sermon series about the fruits of the Spirit. So my literal thought was, really? Gentleness? Out of all the other fruits of the Spirit that I literally felt I could do a really good job preaching about. I was like, you know what? Those other fruits, those are home runs for me. Not all of them, but there's a few that are like, I would do really good at that. Um, And gentleness was not one of them. So when he asked me, um, I really started thinking like, okay, well, what is gentleness? Is gentleness, this is when I hear gentleness most in the culture. One, it's like when a parent is with a child that is holding another child. And let's say that child is like a little infant or something. And they're telling that child, be gentle, be gentle. You have to be gentle with the child. That's when I hear gentleness used. A second similar situation is also with children because I guess children don't really know their own strength. But have you guys ever saw a child like hold a small animal or something? That's the second situation where parents are always like, be gentle, be gentle. You have to be gentle because literally that child is like about to squeeze the life out of that thing that they're holding in their hand. So besides those two situations and, like, a cycle that you want to wash your clothes on, I haven't really heard a lot about gentleness in our culture. I'm like, what is gentleness? And why did he ask me to speak about that? It's not one of the popular fruits of the Spirit. 
Um, so when he asked me, I emailed him back, and I said verbatim, interesting, that's a hard one, but sure, I'll do it. I'm sure God will teach me a lot. That's all I said back. Um, and God has taught me a lot during this process. That's exactly what, I, what happened, and I'm really happy that I get to share with you guys about gentleness. So um, the first thing that I learned is that contrary to popular belief, gentleness is not weak. Because gentleness um, is who God is. Gentleness is part of God's character. The second thing that I learned um, is that gentleness is not necessarily a what. It is more so of a how. It's how you handle something. It's handling something with care. Uh, The biblical definition of gentleness from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary says that it's sensitivity of disposition and a kindness of behavior founded on strength and prompted by love. So gentleness is not weak. Gentleness actually comes from strength. It's a posture. It's a behavior. Uh, It's how you handle something or someone, and you're getting to a certain point, right? So what is the what? The what of gentleness is grace. You cannot have gentleness without grace. They're related. Um, But you can have grace without gentleness. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. I want to give you guys a scenario about how gentleness is a how. So we have a lot of teachers in our congregation. So let's pretend for a second that we're all teachers. And let's say you have a student and they've just failed a test. And you're going to let that student retake the test. So that is super gracious, right? Um, That happened to me once in college, and I just was like, God is answering my prayers. Because to be able to retake a test that you failed, especially in college, is nothing but grace. And so, once again, getting back to this, uh, putting ourselves in a teacher's um, situation, you have a student, they failed a test, and you're going to let them retake it. And how you tell that student that they're going to retake the test is how you can use gentleness or not. Okay, so first situation, let's say I'm a teacher who's not using gentleness, using grace. Maybe I'll say something like this. So I just got through grading your test, and it was a waste of my time. I am really disappointed, and it was painful for me to grade that test. I don't know if you've been sleeping through my class all year, but you failed it, and you're going to need to retake it. So that is one way, and some of you guys are probably like that, and no judgment. That is cool, because, right, the end of this is that that kid still gets to retake the test, so that's all that matters, right? Second way to do this with gentleness is maybe, maybe this way. So I just got through grading your test, and it wasn't the best, so I'm going to let you retake it. Short and sweet, right? First one is still grace, but it's grace without gentleness. The second one is gentleness with grace. So gentleness is a how. The what is grace. But if you guys are like me, hopefully you're not, I am a gracious person. I can show grace to people, but sometimes my how, there's not a lot of gentleness in it. And I am working on it because I'm an honest and blunt person. 
The back row is saying amen because I work with them. I get it. I get it. But um, I'm pretty gracious, but I'm working on my gentleness. Why? Because gentleness is a how. It's how you arrive at a certain point. It's how you handle people, right? Handling people with care. Um, So that's gentleness. Now that we have established what gentleness is, let's go ahead and jump into some biblical examples of gentleness. So um, the first one is the one that you guys are probably really, really familiar with. Um, the story found in Genesis 3, and we're not going to read through the whole story. I'm just going to give you the, um, you guys know, I, a lot of you know I work with teenagers, so I'm going to give you the teenager version of the story, which is a pretty short synopsis. Um, so it's the story of the fall. So basically what happens is things are really, really great in the beginning, And uh, God kind of sets us up in this great place, us meaning mankind, sets us up in this great place and only gives us one rule. He just tells us not to do one thing. And, of course, we end up doing that one thing. Um, We then realize that we're naked. We try and hide ourselves. We try and run away from God. God finds us, talks to us tells us all the repercussions for our sin, um, and then he does this, which is found in Genesis 3, 21. Well, oh, so first one thing before that. When he's giving us the repercussions of our sins, he doesn't tell us that we're going to die. So the whole point of the fall is that in the beginning, God is saying, if you do this thing, you're going to die. But then, unfortunately, we do this thing, and we don't die. So that is grace. That is God's grace that we committed this sin that he told us not to do, but he still spares our life. He spares humankind. But here is the gentleness found in that situation, which is Genesis 3:21. It says, "The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them." So God shows gentleness to mankind by clothing us when we have sinned. So I wasn't there. Of course, you guys know this. I was not there in the beginning. (laughs) Don't know what it was like. But I'm imagining being Adam and Eve. And, you know, you're in the garden. You don't have any conception of nakedness. Like, that's not a thing. But then you do something, and then it becomes a thing. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm naked. And you realize that you're naked. And then you try and cover yourself up. It says that they like sewed fig leaves together. You try and fix that thing that you change. And then God finds you all of a sudden. So I just imagine that they were terrified and confused. And God took care of that. He does deliver the repercussions for their actions, not um, ignoring that. But he also covers them when they're in this extremely vulnerable state. God is gentle with Adam and Eve and mankind in the beginning, always trying to preserve mankind. And you guys know, that's Genesis. The rest of the Old Testament is just story after story after story of mankind messing up, God being super generous with grace and then showing gentleness unto mankind over and over and over again. 
Um, so God is gentle with mankind, even from the beginning. And um, parents, you may really be able to relate with this. I'm not a parent, but I know that it is easier to be gentle to your kids when they are well-behaved. <laughs> That's when you like them the most, right? Um, I know it's easier to be gentle with your friends when everything is getting along. It's easier to be gentle with your spouse when everything's going great. Um, but when those things start to, you know, things start to get riled up, your kids aren't listening, maybe you and your spouse are fighting, me and your, maybe you and your friends aren't getting along, it is hard to be gentle to people in those situations. And God, that was had to be one of the biggest disappointments ever for you to just tell your creation, I just, just, all this is yours, everything is yours, except this one thing, just don't do this one thing. And then they find a way to do the one thing. So I hope you guys don't experience that with your kids. Like I said, I don't have kids, I don't know. But they do the one thing that you just ask them not to do. And then God's response is gentleness. That is a big deal. Once again, easy to be gentle when things are going great. When they're not, God still decides to be gentle with us. So God the Father is gentle. God the Son is gentle as well. We see gentleness in Jesus and how he treated people. Jesus encounters a lot of different people, different personalities. He interacts with people who are high on the totem pole and people who are low on the totem pole. And he shows gentleness to them all. The story I want to share um, is in Luke. Will you guys turn there with me? It is Luke 22, 47 through 53. It's going to show up on the screen as well. You guys don't have to stand, but would you be willing to read this with me? While he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched his man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, Thank you. Once again, that's found in Luke 22. So before this passage that we just read, Jesus is praying because he knows that he, things are about to go down. He knows that he's about to be captured and crucified. And so he tells his disciples, like, can you just pray with me for a little bit? And then, of course, uh, in disciple fashion, they're not able to do what Jesus asked them to do, and they fall asleep. And so when he's talking to them, he comes, he finds them sleeping. This is when all this begins to go down. Um, so they come, 
Jesus finds him sleeping. The mob starts to come towards him. Now, this mob has clubs and swords, so it is his disciples' natural reaction to want to try and defend themselves. If you see an angry mob coming at you with clubs and swords, you're going to want to try and defend yourself. And so his disciples are like, should we start fighting? And before Jesus can even get his answer out, someone already loses an ear. It's like, it's already started. And so how does Jesus respond in this? He heals this man's ear, who is his enemy. This man was not about to approach Jesus with gentleness. It says that they had swords and clubs. But what does Jesus do? He does not, you know, he knows this is a really, really hard situation in the fact that he knows after this are not good things. Like, after this, he is going to be crucified. It's a very tense moment, but instead, Jesus approaches his enemies with love. He heals his enemy's ear after it's been cut off. And then after that, he even lectures these guys and saying, basically, did it take all that? <laughs> like, did you guys really need to come with all these weapons? If you wanted to arrest me, you could have done it earlier in the synagogue because you saw me there earlier. We hang out all the time. Like, this is a thing. But you guys want to be evil. Like, that's basically what he said. You, this is evil. Um, and Jesus, like I said, there's so many other ways this, this situation could have gone down. Could have been a huge brawl. But Jesus shows love to his enemy by healing this man's ear, who was coming to arrest him, was coming to do him harm. Jesus heals this man's ear. Um, so Jesus is gentle. What about us? Are we gentle with those that bring out the worst in us? Are we even gentle with those that bring out the best in us? Have you guys ever been the recipient of someone's gentleness? What does that feel like, to be on the other side? To have been that man who got his ear back. And to know you were in the wrong when you got there, but to have your ear back. Have you ever been the recipient of someone's gentleness? So the thing about these fruits, and I, um, for one, am, am guilty of this, is that we love to receive these fruits. We love to be on the receiving end, you know, of all these stories. We love to be loved well, for people to be faithful to us, for people to be joyful with us, for people to be kind with us, for people to be gentle with us. We love that. But when... We are the ones who have to give that to others. Then it feels like, oh, but who can do this? This is so hard. Like, I can't be Jesus. You asked me to be Jesus. I can't be Jesus. Like, we create these excuses of why it's so hard to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit. But we love to be on the other end. So I think we all know that the fruits of the Spirit, cultivating them, more people doing these fruits of the Spirit actually would result in a better world. I think we're pretty convinced of that, that more fruits are a good thing. Um, but when we have to be cultivating that more, 
then it becomes a hard thing. I think we all know, too, in the bottom of our hearts that we don't fight fire with fire, right? You fight fire with water. And gentleness is water. But we live in a day and age when a lot of people are fighting with fire. If you don't want to get your house burned down, you feel like you got to retaliate. But is that really what our world needs? Do we need more fire starters? Do we need gentleness? Do we need water? Do we need to cultivate these fruits of the Spirit? So how do we become gentle? I don't know. (laughs) I'm just up here talking. I'm not giving any answers. No, I'm joking. But I don't know how to be gentle. I cannot tell you what it would look like for you to cultivate gentleness in your life. I can't. But I can tell you how God has cultivated gentleness in my life. The very important thing that I want us to understand about the fruits of the Spirit is that these aren't things that you can force, right? A tree can't force itself to grow something. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, and we cannot force ourselves to be these fruits. At that, that first verse we read in Galatians um, talks about, you know, the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. It does ask us to actively slay the fruits of the flesh, but it doesn't ask us to physically try and grow the fruits of the Spirit. It tells us to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, right? And then the Holy Spirit is going to do the work of growing the fruits. And so what we should be about is cultivating. And part of cultivating sometimes is slaying those fruits of the flesh or the works of the flesh. That's how we cultivate for the Spirit to be able to grow the fruits of the Spirit. And so for me, cultivating, you know, I see it as like a garden, And so what am I taking out? You know, how am I watering? How am I planting seeds so that gentleness can grow in my heart? So I want to give you guys three ways that gentleness has been cultivated in my life. So the first is through communication. Gentleness has been cultivated in my life through communication by not saying the first thing that comes to my mind pretty simple, and all these are are pretty practical, but um, this is how God has cultivated my heart for gentleness to grow. So I have two younger cousins. They're about five years younger than me, and they're around the same age. They're not siblings, but they hang out a lot. And so um, it's a girl cousin and a guy cousin. So my girl cousin, she's really big into Snapchat. She sends me this Snapchat of my guy cousin mocking me, and this is what she said. Um, she said, this is, what, this is the face that Kalia makes when she thinks you're saying something stupid. And then the guy cousin did this. <laughs> and I got this Snapchat, and I literally started laughing out loud because I was like, I don't think I do that, but that does look a lot like me. <laughs> So here's the thing, because the risk, of course, is that now you guys are going to think I'm doing this to you, and I'm not. But um, that is not the face that I make when I think that someone's saying something stupid. 
That is the face that I make when I am cultivating gentleness. <laughs> really? No, I'm, I'm serious. So I have to listen, right? I have to filter what they say. And then I have to be able to not say the first thing that's coming to my mind and then wait till something better and gentle and nicer comes. And then I have to say that thing. So, um, I know, I'm serious though, because you guys are really gonna, I'm, it's not a face that I would ever use on you. It's just a face I reserve for my family. That's how they know that face. No, I'm joking. But um, really for me, um, not saying the first thing that comes to my mind is how God has cultivated gentleness in me because it's always better to listen first. And the first thing, I don't know why, it's just never nice. If I don't agree with what you're saying or I'm in an argument with you or just sometimes you, I, I just might not like what you're saying. <laughs> the first thing that's coming to mind is not a gentle thing. So if I'm patient, I keep that to myself, I smile and nod, the gentle thing will come a little bit after. I want to share this verse with you guys because, you know, this is actually biblical. It's not just me being me. To be able to control your tongue is a biblical concept. It's found in James 3, 3 through 6. And I believe I have that up here. Okay, I'll read this one. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by, a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Whoa. So those are some really strong words by James. Um, but I am on board with what he's saying because he's saying that words are powerful. The tongue is powerful. Communication is important. We spend so much of our lives communicating with other people, spouses, people at work, kids, if we can be gentle in our communication, we can really change and turn some things around, just like the ship that's turned around by the udder. Uh, what we say is important. So once again, gentleness has been cultivated in my life by not you know, using the spark. Not The spark is the first thing. <laughs> the more gentle thing comes later. And so by not saying that first thing, God has cultivated gentleness in my life. Secondly... Gentleness has been cultivated in my life through humility. Humility promotes gentleness. Ephesians 4, 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. When my pride gets in the way, it is hard for me to be gentle with people. But humility, which for me is not thinking that I know everything or starting with the assumption that I don't know everything and starting with that, it causes me to be humble, which causes me to be gentle to other people. 
Humility also, for me, is seeking to understand someone. Seeking that, maybe I don't know your story. Maybe I don't know where you're coming from. But I want to try to. And that is a humble posture to put yourself in. But when you start with humility, it promotes gentleness. Earlier we talked a lot about grace. Humility is that other relation to gentleness. Meaning that humility promotes gentleness. So just as grace, you need to have grace in order to be gentle. You need to have humility in order to be gentle as well, too. So humility has promoted gentleness in my life. The third way that we cultivate gentleness, which is the most important, is that gentleness has been cultivated in my life through staying connected to the source. So earlier we talked about Genesis, that God the Father is gentle, and he has shown that through how he was gentle with Adam and Eve and how he's always pursuing and preserving mankind. We also said God the Son is gentle, and we talked about Jesus. But God the Spirit, you know, we're talking about the Trinity, is also gentle. There's a story in 2 Kings 19, oh, sorry, 1 Kings 19.11, where Elisha is told that God is going to pass by. And so there's this big earthquake, and it says God's not in the earthquake. There's this big fire, and God's not in the fire. There's other big things that happen. And then it says there's a gentle whisper, and that's where God is found. God is found in the gentle whisper. So God, the Spirit, is gentle as well. So gentleness is in every single part of God's being. And so if I'm going to cultivate gentleness in my life, I have to do it through being connected to the source. I have to do it by being connected to God. He's the one who knows what gentleness is. He created it. He's the one who knows about gentleness best. So gentleness has been cultivated in my life through staying connected. And in those times, the more I'm connected to God, the easier it is to do the first two. The easier it is to be humble, which cultivates gentleness. The easier it is to have good communication. And you guys know how hard that is. It's just hard to have good communication. But the easier it becomes when I'm connected to God. And so those are the three ways that gentleness has been cultivated in my life. Our world is in desperate, desperate need of gentleness. Too many people are trying to fight fire with fire. And like I said, that just leaves us in a harsh, burnt-up world. Gentleness is not weak because it takes more strength to be gentle than it does to be harsh or violent. Violence is actually the easy way out. It takes strength to, when someone is fighting you, you know, with fire, to try and use gentleness or water to put out that fire. It takes a whole lot of strength to do that. God has been gentle with us from the beginning. And like I said, it is in every part of his personality to be gentle. So if you're like me, um, maybe while hearing this sermon, you have 
found reasons in your head why this couldn't work in a certain situation. For me, one of the big questions was, well, what about violence? Like, if someone is coming to you violently, you're going to fight them off with gentleness? Like, is that the answer that when someone plans to not be gentle with you, you just sit there and take it? Um, If you're like me, you've kind of maybe created some excuses of why you can't be gentle or why certain people or maybe even people groups do not deserve your gentleness. So when I was thinking about this, um, I was reminded of this story. um, And we'll end with this. When Jesus was on the cross in his last moments when he was being crucified by a very corrupt government and by a people group that did not like his people group when he was on the cross being crucified in the most inhumane way, in the most violent way Jesus, he does not call down 10,000 angels to save him. He does not get off the cross and try and beat them up himself. He does not even say the worst things that he could say to them. He doesn't even use his words to say bad things. When Jesus is being crucified on the cross, he does not repay evil for evil. When Jesus is being crucified, he prays for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. At Jesus' dying moment, when he has all the reason in the world to be violent or bitter or use his power, Jesus uses his last few breaths to pray for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So for me, I have a lot of excuses of why it's hard for me to be gentle or why certain people don't deserve my gentleness, especially when they are being violent towards me. But when Jesus was on the excuse, he, when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't have any excuses. He prayed for his enemies. And for me, that takes away all my excuses. Jesus is gentle even into the very end. So I am going to pray for us. And then we are going to take our offering. Let me pray. God, thank you for your character. Thank you um, that your kingdom rules are upside down. And sometimes those are hard for us to digest because something like gentleness um, is powerful. And it's still at the same time hard for us to do. God, continue to help us cultivate these fruits um, in our life for your glory so that people can be on the receiving end of our gentleness. 
God, would you be changing us? Um, Would you be changing us so that we can be kinder um, and more gentle to one another? Would you show us what this means? God, we thank you that you don't ask us to do anything that you haven't already done for us. So we thank you for your gentleness with us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we are going to take the um, offering, and there are cards in your bulletin, which you can write on. And if this, we've had a really great sermon series, so maybe it's not just gentleness that God has been dealing with you about, but um, if it is, write that on the card that you want prayer, you know, to be cultivating gentleness in your life. But if any of these fruits hit you um, in any way, Write that on the card about how the church can be praying for you. We also um, are going to have prayer ministers that um, will be standing around here um, that can pray for you if you need it. Um, I think that's it. Let me pray for the offering really quick. God, thanks so much for giving us the ability to give. If um, anyone here in the church is in need, God, would you meet those needs, um, financial and otherwise? Help us to be generous, and thank you for your generosity to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. with you. Um, I don't know if you're like me and you're like, I could use a whole lot more gentleness. Or you feel like you got gentleness locked down. But um, I would hope that this week and the next and the next, that we could really be committed to plowing the ground in our life, getting the weeds out, getting the bad stuff out, and allowing the Holy Spirit, the room, to work in our lives through the fruits of the Spirit. So, um, if you guys could just uh, open your hands for the benediction. For me, this is my sign of God, whatever you want to do. And for us this week, we'll just allow this to represent God. Will you cultivate these fruits in my life? Will you show me what to do, what I need to add, what I need to get rid of so that I can cultivate gentleness uh, in my life? These fruits are not just uh, for fun, for us to be good Christians. These fruits, when put into practice in our world, could radically change our world could radically change our neighborhood. It could radically change our community. It could radically change our family and our relationships. And most importantly, it can radically change us. So let's be committed to cultivating fruits of the Spirit in our life today. God, Holy Spirit, do the work. We are open. We are ready. Cultivate the fruits of Spirit in our life. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in peace.